Welcome, everyone. It is your favourite hour of the week. It's That's What She Said. Thank you to our good friends at Sportsbet. Georgie Parker here, joined by Bubsy Bubsy at Barbieri. I don't know why I said your name twice then. And <laughs> Ashley Nelson, who's sporting some glasses for the first time here. Is this you showing your age or are you just trying to look smarter? I'm trying to support Bubs. I've <laughs> decided that I'm going to go out on a limb today. And after months of torture and pain out on Bubs, uh, I would, um, I don't know, just throw my hand up and say, hey, I stand with you and enough of elder abuse on this podcast. <laughs> hey, why does the elder abuse should have not actually happened just then? If you were actually trying to stay away from elder abuse, you wouldn't have referenced me at all. Oh, right. Okay. Well, it's a work in progress. We can't get it right, <laughs> right from the very beginning. It's about no. education. So I'll take note of that. And maybe next week, Bubs will just do a little bit better. But, oh, you know, Georgie I've... Parker, I think, has room to improve as well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I've never um, seen you wear them before, Ash. What's it for? Short-sighted? For the Blu-ray? It's, um, I have been getting migraines lately. And I think it's got to do with, A, my setup. And then be also excessive amounts of time on the computer. So at the moment, I am so ergonomically set up. I have bought a stand to lift my laptop up. I've got some Blu-ray glasses to see whether or not it makes a difference. Or perhaps it could just be an excessive amount of wine that's probably causing it. So I'm willing to make changes aside from the wine. And then if that doesn't work, well, then I might have to take a look at my alcohol intake. <laughs> I had one glass of red wine last night and then I woke up this morning with a hangover. That's a shit a glass headache. of wine. Oh, that's a shit a glass of wine. Yeah, do you know what it was? I said, can I have the house charades, please? Oh, yeah. Error. 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 <laughs> that's a rookie but error. That is getting old. I can't believe like. One glass, I'm like, I felt it this morning. I'm like, oh, headache. I'm so dehydrated. Do you guys get that? You must get no, that. No, I think, I, uh, <laughs> hey, no, uh, you only get it with shit wine. You shit, when you have, because my dad is a wine maker and all that. Yeah, so true. why do we not so all the this? All the preservatives, yeah, slash preservatives. Why has it your dad provided us with samples? Well, it's very strong and could be classed as so he's not in the backyard uh, squishing the grapes with his feet but it's close to so i wouldn't know how hygienic it is either oh. and so we can't, when you say we he's can't, a winemaker he's yeah. like the equivalent of like my sister-in-law has got a, a beer brewing kit that i can't what? i'm gonna call her a beer no brewer. no 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 we're not beer brewing or we're not one time you know it's not a one-off thing it's it's generations of winemaking so yes we know what we're doing but they're quite dry they're not like they're not like the the bottle of wine you get um on date night you, you where, know it, these are the required taste is that what you're trying yes. to where, where do they get the grapes from well we get them from the vine like normal you have do you have, yeah, well, do you have Well, vines? we, no, we, we go, we have vines. We had vines when we were um, living in a, in a different part of the city. Um, but since then, the, the nutrients in the, in the soil just wasn't good enough. So we had to go to the farm. So now we get all, we go with the trailer and we load up with our grapes. That is so Italian. We squish them. So, no, but the thing is the difference between a real, like a, a commercial wine and an Italian homemade one's good and one's bad. Well, it, they're both good, and they but the 
our home one doesn't get you a hangover. So it doesn't have any preservatives, but it also doesn't last as long as, as your shop wine. And it doesn't have any, shop wine doesn't have any sediment. Whereas ours, you're actually picking grapes out of your teeth sometimes. <laughs> I like that though. I mean, I'm just trying to think back on what my family makes together. We and make, we, we make a lot of noise. Make a lot of noise. And that's about it. We do prosciutto, we do salami, we you do tomatoes. So, this is so Italian, hun. Yeah, it. ricotta. Mate. Why you can call me a wog, it's all right. I'm very proud to be a wog. Can well, we know where Christmas party is gonna be next year. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't you can't be a vegetarian or anything like that and come to my place because what you see in the in the old cantina in the you thought well, I sorry. Heard a different... It's a bit <laughs> yeah. something else there. I'm just glad that that ended off with their Ema. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's like uh the downstairs part of the yes. house. It's well, a I'm not I'm not worried about like looking at meat. I just don't no. want to I worked in a butcher. You just want to ki- you don't want to kill it yourself. I don't want to kill them. I worked in a butcher. I just am um, trying to not to lower my carbon footprint. That's all. Yes. Um, anyway, well, how's that? Fun, um, fun fact of the day. We should uh, do that every week. <laughs> oh, no, I've got a real fun fact. Oh, yes. You, well, that was very fun. We've got another fun fact. Like do <laughs> well, I don't think that that was a fun fact. I think that was like a bit of getting to know Bubs. <laughs> After her 100th her episode, we've actually... <laughs> Rather than just pay out on her, we've actually actually asked her a question that's relative to her life. Um, but I do have a fun fact, and this this will blow your mind. Georgie Parker, you talk a big game about fun facts, but I feel as though this as an elevated I've elevated it today. Well, so no Bruno, who's the list king, um, if you go on I to grab a lot of inspiration from Bruno. Yes, if you go on to Twitter, you can follow him. He put a statement out there that I had to do some further research in. And I think anyone that listens to this will then go and Google it because it's like almost so good that you don't believe it. So he put out there, here's something that'll blow your mind. Magpies in Tasmania don't swoop and no one knows why. And I went and had a look and it's true. They don't know why. And they don't swoop as much as what magpies do here on the mainland. Now, I feel as though that you are itching because you might have a response to this, Parker, as to your thoughts about why magpies <laughs> don't swoop in Tasmania. Well, they only they do swoop down there when antagonised or feel threatened. So they do swoop, just not like, you know, the ones that swoop for no reason. Um, yes, like the one that swooped Tully and I, I the other day on a down there, They are a little bit confused by the two heads. It's kind of like the equivalent of the, <laughs> the helmet with the... the um, zip ties on it so they're a bit confused and spooked maybe by the double head action going on by the Tasmanian so I think that's why what was it that they were spooked by you went robotic oh did I yeah oh well that's oh. a shame Everyone's Mr. Punchline joke. <laughs> did I actually go robotic you did you did oh, okay well so they, you it, said they were spooked by the two heads which resembled the and then... yeah the um the helmet with the zip ties you know how you do that? <laughs> he went robotic you know again. Oh my god, did I? Yeah. Oh, it's your turn really this time. Fun. 
I love that. Well, there we go. That's going to be fun for the listeners to hear my joke. Um, so I, I'm moving to Tasmania. Just so. Oh, my God, no. And I'm going to test it out. I'm going to test it out because the uh, helmet situation that I have here in Victoria apparently attracts the magpie swooping because my husband and daughter were fine driving riding their bikes and then one just came out of nowhere and started attacking my helmet. For no reason. Did you have zip ties on it though? No, I don't. Ha- I have stars on mine. You mine- put zip ties coming off of it to scare them. Like, come on, that's I common know. knowledge. Mm. I know, but I don't want to look like the zip tie person. Look, look like the zip- crazy person channeling alien thoughts. Oh my Just wrap a bit of tin foil around your head while you're at it. it you I hate the it. sound of it. And meanwhile, that guy that got airlifted to the Alfred had his eyeballs pecked out. And he feeds them. He goes, I actually love magpies and I no, feed them and I was going to feed them and he, and he bit me eyeballs out. That's yeah, because they are dodgy animals and can't be trusted. There's a, a very long list of animals that you can't trust. Horses. Horses. Magpies. Crows, also bad. Yeah. Crows yeah. are scary. It's crows yeah. they're black and no, don't like them. And I, smart. I, conniving. Cats. Oh. Cats. Have you guys watched Smart Speaking Spike Smart Animals? Have you watched My Octopus Teacher yet? No. I I got actually really, really um uh abused, I would say, by my seven year old. <laughs> Get this off. What is Why? this? Get it off. Because it's, it's boring. Isn't it? <laughs> oh. oh my god. Boring. Okay, well this guy was no, no, That's yeah. Gorgeous. Tell, tell Holly. <laughs> gorgeous. The octopus was flying, like going through the water, and and yeah, she was not impressed. So, well, no. I'll, I'll get that That's when I'm. Sorry, right. Holly, maybe not. Might, might not be interested in maritime things. I've got one PSA before we actually get into some stuff. Now, PSA, you know, I love a fun Instagram page to fault on my robotic. <laughs> Start your PSA again because I'll be disappointed if we miss it. Now, PSA, you know I love a good Instagram page. We know this. Mm. I've, I've brought to you Paulie V, mm. the, the random food blogger. He's my favourite. But I have the new one and it's called Siblings or Dating. And it's a bunch of people that are pictured <laughs> with, with somebody and you've got to guess whether they're so siblings or they're dating. Yes. Great fun to be had with your friends and family. I highly recommend going onto that because it's really fun and they zoom into all these bits. They zoom into how they're holding each other and things like that. It's very good fun. It's, it's a hard thing. And I mean, you might not really know Parker because you grew up sort of with sisters and I, but I had two older brothers. One of them was only, well, is only two years older than me. I'm speaking to me past tense. He's still my brother. Um, and, um, but when we went shopping, so if we were living together and now and again, we'd go out shopping and we went clothes shopping one day and that turned out to be a real eye opener that people, cause we don't really look alike. People thought that we were dating. And I think shopping like clothes shopping must be like a coupley thing to kind of do not to go with your brother. So it was a sort of once off experience and uh, it was quite weird. And I went, how many people think that we're dating rather than just yeah. being brother? I, I get it with my stepbrother. And although I guess technically not illegal, still <laughs> kind of gross. And he's, he doesn't look anything like me clearly because we're not 
related. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. six foot, he's six foot five, and we stand there. Oh, look at you, power couple. Well, wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> what a <laughs> Come I on, brother. Yeah. <laughs> like, you feel like you need to introduce him as my brother. Yeah. And no, we're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> I put up with my ex-boyfriend the other week and he, when he went to pay for it, goes, oh, just a table for me and my sister. He goes, I just want to make sure they know we're not dating. <laughs> so, <laughs> talk about going to extremes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. I'm all right, cool, whatever. Like I wasn't fondling you at the table. Pretty confident they don't think that we're dating. <laughs> yeah. Been there. Don't want to do it again. Um, <laughs> all right. What do we have? Netball grand final. Let's get into some sport. We just had we had Joe Weston on last week. Of course, we had Joe mm. Weston, our little co-host from last year. Um, miss her. Um, she won. What an absolute start. And she was close to being the MVP on the day. Didn't win the award, but she was absolutely brilliant in goal defence. Very, very close game. It was a 66 to 64. Mm. The only reason why she was an MVP, because she's a defender. (laughs) Oh, no, defenders don't win awards. Come on. No, come on. Only mid-quarters, midfielders. We've discussed that. And also, I think, well, the the, the AFL, yeah, I suppose. But she's still technically a defender. Not like a pure kind of mid-quarter. If that's what you're saying. What? Didn't you say she is in the no, mid-court? No, I said or a shooter. Oh, shooter. Sorry, I thought that you <laughs> so meant that she was kind of mid-court. I'm like, well, she kind of can move no, up no, the she's court. Different. She's not kind of relegated to her, her little circle. Um, but she did do very, very well. Um, and I think that the AFL Brownlow medal just proves that, you know, it is hard for a defender to win um, sort of a, a best on ground. Um, with Lockie Neal taking out the honours as well. So, you know, I thought that she could have actually won it. She played particularly well. I watched it and um, even though I was was obviously going for West Coast fever, the Vixens, they did deserve to win it. Whoever won it deserved to win it. It was a great game. It could have gone either way. Do you think that because they won it, they can call it a... Do you think because they won it, they can call it a granny and if... (laughs) yes i do think this because i did note that um it's a granny or they you know someone put a tweet up saying that they won the granny and i thought i would leave it i wouldn't make a comment about it because they've earned the right they've won it they can call it what they would like if the west coast fever won it my feed would have been filled with grandy comments (laughs) Um, so I've listened, I've taken your feedback on board and the discussions about granny V grandy. And for one time only just the one week, I'm letting people call it a granny. And you realize there's only one option left to have it called the grandy, not even, well, is that right? Because New South Wales, so the Rabbitohs, is it the Rabbitohs? Who else is in the NRL grand final? The Panthers. So the Panthers are the last resort to having you call it anything else for a granny because the Victorians are still in there. Yeah, I know. How good's Victoria been? I mean, obviously this whole lockdown thing has been working wonders for you guys. I know, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, pandemic performances. They're playing (laughs) for the Victorians. Um, So, yeah, listen, I'll I'll give it to them. And uh, fingers crossed I can sneak a grandy in there at some (laughs) point in time. But if not, it's probably not the worst thing. I'll be able to hack it for 2020. It's starting to rub off i nearly called it i'm like hold on what do i say again (laughs) Um, tomato tomato potato potato (laughs) now 
Dan Andrews pulled the um, his presser. He pulled it forward a little bit so it made sure that people could watch it. Watch it. <laughs> now watch, watch it. it. Watch it. <laughs> so make sure people could watch it. That's a pretty big move from the girls. They were putting pressure on them. Everyone was putting pressure on him to make sure he could get it early. Have you had anything ever moved for you? Have you ever made oh, anything no. move forward? No chance. No chance. <laughs> we can't even get it um, moved out of the time when it's 45 degrees on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. No, you guys can melt, all right? No, that's fine. <laughs> but it's going to be 45. We're going to die. No, no, you'll be fine. The men are playing at five. <laughs> I always, I, I always used to miss maths because of sport and my maths teacher always used to make time and move the session to after school for me so that I could <laughs> catch up. She knew I was so bad at maths that she actually, you know, put the lesser effort in time into moving it for me and um, it didn't have any benefit whatsoever. So I felt sorry for her. She wasted her time. She tried. She and tried. she tried. And I didn't actually appreciate her making the effort because all in all, I didn't want to be there. <laughs> Did you want reason? Those are the ones where you're like, oh, I can't actually make it. And they're like, I'll just change the time. And you're like, no, really, it's fine. I can't make yeah. it then either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was far too accommodating for my liking. Miss Sada, bless her. She had great shoes. Um, We will do another PSA though Because this is a beautiful story That made all three of us cry Um, I just sent it to the girls Earlier today Just said if you feel like crying today Both of them said thank you Parker I didn't feel like crying today And it's about one of their goal shooters Goal shooters or goalkeeper Uh, Goal attack Shooter She's a shooter Mawai Kamwenda She's from Malawi And Channel 9 have put together Just a quick little five minute Um little montage about her and about her story about where she's come from and it's a beautiful clip um and kind of just puts um a little bit of things in perspective on how we live our lives and how blessed we are to be here because she's come from this tiny little village um her ball was made out of what was it melted plastic bags plastic bags put together together with string didn't have shoes, um, walks two hours to school so she could play netball at school and, and learn and um, all the, it's a beautiful story and, and made me cry. I said, oh, Ash, what, what point did you cry, Ash? What point did you I cried when she said, hi, my name is... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from Malawi and I just, then I cried because I knew where it was going. And so even talking about it now, like I've got my glasses on, but you can see through them. It makes me so upset because it's just such a beautiful story but you know she's one of the lucky ones too and you know that's the the sad thing about it and listening to her speak and say that she was lucky to be able to get the opportunity for what she calls is a a better opportunity a better life where you know she hasn't had to marry young in order to have a way of life over there and you know now she she wouldn't make a heap of money but you know she makes enough money that she can send some back in order to educate those young girls, you know, which she was at one point in time so that they don't have to get married younger, that they can get an education and whether it be an education or being able to play netball professionally, she gives them that opportunity. And I thought, well, you know, isn't that just a wonderful thing uh, about netball? Because it is a big sport over there for women um and you know in quite a few of our commonwealth kind of nations it is an opportunity for for youngsters but she just spoke so well and it just put things into perspective you know i remember like 
Parker, you would remember, we used to get ASICs orders and sometimes they wouldn't have the right shoes in your size and you'd be like, oh gosh, like, you know, I need a pair of shoes. It's like, well, you know, you do have options and you can go buy a pair of shoes yourself. Like she didn't even have shoes and it, it does put things into perspective, but um, it was really emotional. And I, I love that, that they did it because it shows the human side to sport as well. And that's sometimes the human interest pieces is what people are interested in seeing. The ones and that's that... How, or yeah. just how netball can separate itself maybe from, you know, football and how they create certain identities. I think the the part that got me was when I saw them running around in little Melbourne Vixen um, uniforms because obviously the, the whole team is, has donated whatever they don't use anymore or given mm. back to their community. So not only is she sending money back but providing little netball uniforms and to see them, you know, they're not wearing the bodysuits like with nothing else on. They're wearing it over their clothes and, and oh, it was just such a beautiful moment when the little girl, she's shooting on the, on the ring and the ring is made out of um, the, the inside of a tyre mm-hmm. and just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It, it shows the resourcefulness of nations like that, that nothing goes to waste. You can kind of look at it with a different lens of, how you live your life, the appreciation of the things like that, Ash, of, well, there's options. You can do what you want. You can be who you want to be. Um, to not waste, to have those family values, um, to be looking after the people that can't look after those selves rather than being so um, so much self-interest. Um, there are a lot of things when you look at these um, nations that don't have a lot of money, just about how they live their life with a much more simple life um and it's just beautiful to see and you don't see it enough i don't think and this year we've probably been um more so than ever in our experience in our lives with covid to appreciate those things so it's nice to see it in a different capacity isn't it funny though it puts sports science to shame because this is a person that has grown up without the opportunities without the resources that a lot of the athletes have over here in Australia and that is how she has turned out as far as being a, an athlete so goes to show that you know sometimes we might be a little bit precious and be demanding of resources when actually you know as far as an athlete's concerned being able to actually have the right attitude and willingness and preparation to put the commitment into train is what's going to essentially make you go further than somebody that, you know, might have everything at their feet, but just not the willpower. That's it. Be a good person. Be a good human. Invest in yourself as well, right? Oh, it's beautiful. Anyway, go and have, check it out if you want to cry because sometimes it's nice to have a little cry. And to it's not a bad cry. These are good cries. It's a good cry. It's a good cry. And they've been hard to come by this year. So I'm going to have to like leave it a week before I even think about my octopus teacher now though because <laughs> I, I, I'm just an emotional uh, wreck at the moment after that. <laughs> Okay, it was Brownlow Medal last night. For, it was a Sunday night. It's usually a Monday night. So it was a, it's a strange year, so a lot of strange things happening. Lockie Neal, of course, the winner. And in true 2020 style, Lockie Neal had to crown himself and put the, <laughs> the ribbon around his own neck rather than anyone else doing it for him, which is just ridiculous to see. But he won by a fair whack in the end and all the predictors said that that was going to happen and he was going to be the clear favourite all year. had a brilliant um, season with the Brisbane Lions. Um, but, I mean, it's the Brownlow medal is always a bit strange. People come out of the, the woodworks. Um, did you guys have any money on it? Do you guys have punt on it? or 
No, I always think I always think for the for the amount of times that I've watched it, um, the I never thought the favorite won. Like this is the first time I've ever thought, oh wow, clear and yeah, clear I winner. mean Matt Fife was pretty a pretty clear winner. Not last year, though. Not last year. Not last year. Um, He probably was his first one. First one. Yeah, and so was Dusty in one of his. his. But you're right. It's not often the favourite, but he was clear favourite and in in the end won by 10 votes. He basically only got best on ground votes, um, which was insane. It's either three votes or no votes. Um, He got four best ons in a row. Next best, Travis Boak on 21 uh, Jack Steele and Krista Matraka coming in third on 20. Um, what I liked about those two, Jack Steele and Christian Petrarca last year, last year Petrarca got zero votes. Mm. Jack Steele got one vote. And this year they're coming in and getting third in the best and fairest. What an improvement. It is a funny old system though, because I, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong and maybe I am, but I just, I saw a tweet just before and it was saying that um, Brad Shepard, who is, in the all Australian uh, side as a defender, he actually got no votes. Well, we all know the um, Australian side is a fast though. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, isn't it funny that, you know, there are people that are making the all Australian side and they can't even get a vote, <laughs> which then reinforces the whole notion of, well, is this a midfielders award? So that in itself, I think is a little bit, um, concerning, not taking away from Lockie Neal because I think he's a wonderful player. Travis Boak, who came second, had a wonderful year as well. Christian Petrarca, I mean, that's the great sensation story as well. I think that he's one of those people that has really, you know, turned his sort of performance around and led from the front for the Demons this year. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a little bit sad that there wasn't that many in contention. Like Nick Nananui, one of the, the best ruckmen in the competition, and he only got a few votes, like hardly any. Um, it just it raises a few questions in my opinion. You're like, do you, when you get selected in your position when you're a kid, you're like, oh, my Brownlow chances are quite low in this position. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Well, seriously, that's what you should be thinking about if you're getting extra sponsorship but or money from winning the Brownlow. When you're a kid, and I guess I found this at when I was at Collingwood, when you're when you're not playing at that high level, that elite level, everyone's playing midfield. If you're one of the best juniors coming yes. through, you're yeah, playing true. midfield. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's your position. Then you come into the AFL level and you go, okay, well, you've got to go in a small pocket, small forward pocket yeah. because you're not good enough. You're not better than Dustin Martin in the midfield. Sorry, you can get there in five years' time. Um, <laughs> that even happened to me. <laughs> well, yeah, though you got put into the goals. How yeah, far is that? You went from I midfield got... to the goals. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then, and then every time I went back again, they put me back in the midfield. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but not many people grow up and go, oh, I can't wait to be a defender when I'm older. <laughs> No, no, it's the worst position. At least, like, you know, you get the accolade of kicking goals or, yeah. like, scoring a goal when you're a striker. As a defender, you just get remembered for the bad things that you do. So no one really wants to be a defender. Like, no. I, don't, I don't think I ever hear anyone, mind you, it's kind of like those people that say they want to be an accountant when they grow up. That always blows my mind as well. <laughs> yeah, there's always a couple of weird ones. And, yeah. they, and they love it and they go, oh, it's the most important position in the field. I said, I understand its importance and relevance to the team. But no one wants like, to do dynamics, it. But no one goes when they're Don't five, I can't wait to be a defender. Like yeah. everyone either wants to be Buddy Franklin kicking 100 goals yeah. or they want to be a midfielder winning a brown line. But I think what with the brown line, I mean, the year that, oh, who was it? One of the, someone won it one year and then didn't win his best and fairest at his club. That shows, like, 
how the Brownlow is, and I think every player knows this, the Brownlow is an umpire's award um, and it's a midfielder's award. And then if you're winning your best and fairest of the club, where often they've got a different voting system where every player can get a vote depending on their role on the day, um, that can sometimes mean more to some certain people um, in some aspect because the Brownlow is a midfielder's award and it's hard to judge defenders. There's no markers, is there? Well, I mean, like, the, yeah, it depends them? on like, yeah, exactly. Is an, an intercept obviously like better rather than just like, like you know spoiling the ball, but it's still, it's pretty um, subjective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not like you kick X amount of goals and one goal equals this amount of points. Yeah. You know? It's not like that <laughs> um, as opposed to any other position. So that's why the, I guess there's no real defenders award the, yeah, the um, best thing we can do is be like oh well, i came third w- one year with 21 points that's that's your claim to fame when you're a defender <laughs> when you well, come oh i came third <laughs> they don't often win now um what i found interesting because locking of course came from a small town in south australia no came mcdonald's in- no McDonald's, and we've, we've discussed that one on air, and we discussed mm. the no McDonald's equals Brownlow and the chicken treat equals Olympian. So, yes, yes we've discussed this. Now, um, Ross Lyon, he, came, he went away when he was his first um, year at Fremantle. He came back. He must have been a little bit out of shape, as a lot of players do after their first year, their first off-season. Well, they're in the city for the first time and lots of McDonald's. Well, no, but in their off-season, they often go home and be kids and don't really look after themselves. And he says, he basically told me, this is regarding Lockie Neal on Ross Lyon, he basically told me when I came back from my first off-season that if I came back like this again, I'd be a fat little forward pocket of Glenelg pretty soon. Ooh. <laughs> also, who is the fat little forward in Glenelg that he was referencing? That's, that's what I want to know. There's a lot of fat forwards going, oh, is he talking about me? Does Ross Lyon actually know who I am? Do I have the potential? I, I, I just more think he thinks he's going to go back to Adelaide and play Sanford, which no AFL player wants to digress back to there, regress back to there. But it kind of Unless made me Brendan think... Brendan Favola. <laughs> well, he didn't want to regress. No one wants to go back there. No. So... My question is, what is the worst thing a coach said to you? Has your coach ever... My question to you is, what is the worst thing a coach has said to you? Have he said anything? Have they said anything like this? Now, you were under a coach before I came into Hockey Roos, Ash called Frank, and he would have said something like this, surely. Yes, yes. Well, Frank was funny because he used to march around the field for starters and tell you to come here by pointing his middle finger out and then like, <laughs> like calling you with his middle finger. So it always felt like he was flipping you the bird on the actual field. So after a while, I got used to it and I thought, well, first of all, that he was flipping you the bird. But after that, I'm like, oh, no, it's just the way that he actually, you know, beckons because, you. Because back in those days, they used to say that the, the pointer finger was very, very rude. Yeah, so that old. Wow. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, he he used to be a math teacher as well. Maybe he knew that like, my hidden shame about being <laughs> poor at math. Um, but the other thing that he said to me, which I just found really bizarre. Now I'd been playing for or training for at least a year, and it was my first tournament, and I found myself sitting next to him at the table, and this was the first time that we ever even really had a proper conversation because. Believe it or not, I was actually quite shy and like he was a bit scary. So we never really spoke. And um, 
he said to me, so Ash, where are you from? And I said, oh, well, I'm from a small country town, Wajin originally. And he goes, no, no, no. But before that, where were you born? I said, well, Narijan, half an hour outside of Wajin. He's like, no, what country? And I was like, Australia. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, oh, I thought you were South African. I'm going to have to stop holding that against you now. <gasps> anyway, it was a weird, co- and I'm like, well, first of all, why are you holding it against me? Second of all, what's wrong with South Africans? And also, is this the reason why I haven't been getting selected? <laughs> because I'm an international that has somehow managed to infiltrate my way into the well, Australian squad. So I felt sorry for South Africans, but then that was the first insult. But then after that, Como and Commons came onto the scene. And um, we had to think about keywords in order to activate ourselves. So like, you know, for someone it might be like sprint or it might be like, take, take them on. And anyway, he looked at me and he's like, Ash, what's yours? I'm like, oh, and he goes, I've got one. Just don't fuck it up. <laughs> and uh, I went, okay. And then he just moved on. <laughs> I went, oh, that's where we're at. Oh, <laughs> Adam had some absolute belters and the one, this wasn't even to me, but one of our girls, we used to have on hockey fields, you've got all the the artificial turf gets rolled out and it kind of gets stitched together underneath. So sometimes birds come in and try to pick out the seams and that really lifts it and it doesn't make the field nice to play on. Not in and Tasmania so put, though. And not in Tasmania, <laughs> but they put on the field some kind of things just to scare birds off while you're training, just to keep them out there. And we hadn't moved one off the field before training. And one of our girls, Amelia, ran into it and fell over or whatever. And she kind of gets up and he just looks at her and goes, do a lap for being an idiot. <laughs> and so she just gets up and goes, oh, okay, and starts running. He goes, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but he just came out with some absolutely like, weird things to say for no reason. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to say don't fuck it up. No, well, I mean, granted, maybe my history suggests that I have been known to screw things up sometimes. I don't know, but I just kind of went, well, that's not the nicest compliment to to get. Everyone (laughs) else is getting these like, use your speed, hit the ball hard, you know you can do it. And mine's, yeah, don't screw it up. (laughs) Don't don't worry. I said, oh, can I go play over in Amsterdam? And he goes, absolutely not. You'll come back fat. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, I guess not then. I guess I'll stay here and get fat here. <laughs> yeah, you and Lockie, Lockie Neal. Me and Lockie Neal. <laughs> what about you, Bubs? No, we all have... Uh, footballers kind of have these um, dramatic terms that when you uh, when you turn, you actually turn like the Titanic, like people... Yes, that's, that's a turn like the Queen Mary. Yeah, you t- it's probably, you know, in every sport where you've got your cliche ones. Um, the other one was, uh, Bubs, you got to touch like a rhinoceros. That was, um, that was always a good one. <laughs> um, the submarine one, turn like a submarine. Um, yeah, all, all these ones. Because uh, I used to play on the field, so I wasn't always the fastest or the quickest. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. I'm like, the only reason you'd have to really turn is to go get the ball out of the back of the, the, net. the net. And, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be quickly turning around to get it either. <laughs> so I wasn't sure where that was coming from. But maybe it's good that you went back into goals then. <laughs> yeah, I just you don't turn. You just face forward the entire time. <laughs> No, we had a we had a we had a coach that actually would walk around and monitor what was on our plates. One oh yeah, same. Uh, one three three year period that we were 
very, very, very traumatic time. Um, so we used to all hide our food. <laughs> we used to take we used to take our plates back up to our rooms. And do you remember the meatball incident, Ash? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I also I also laugh. I think that you need to touch on it, but I also laugh that the best um, best talk that we ever got by Adam Commons on um, the correct diet was that one should not just snack on a coffee and a Mars bar a day. That you need to give that up, and everyone just kind of went, "Who has a Mars bar and a coffee every, every single day?" Like I don't think I've eaten a Mars bar since nineteen ninety three. You know, it just, it was the most bizarre comment and it just makes you laugh as to where is this information coming from? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, stop having Mars bars. We're like, what? Who has Mars bars? We're the same. So we're at the World Cup in The Hague and it was dinner time. Of course, you're having team dinners. We would come up, we've all got our food. It was like in the Bay Marie's, as you think. And, <laughs> and we all have our plates and everyone had, it was meatballs and vegetables and whatever, right? So everyone grabs two to three meatballs good amount of meatballs you'd think like decent sized meatballs that's enough adam came up late he comes in there was no meatballs left he looks at everybody's plate oh. adam came up late carry on adam came up late he looks at everyone's plate there was none no meatballs left he looks at everyone's plates and he just went off his rocker you guys don't need three meatballs because <laughs> we're in competition you bala just goes off because he was clearly hangry. <laughs> yeah, no, no meatballs <laughs> left. Get his meatballs, and everyone looks at their plate, going, "Do we have too many meatballs?" <laughs> was, okay, everyone shoved one of the extra meatballs in their mouth straight away, just to make it look like only two meatballs. You're a muck, right? <laughs> like that's legit how it went. It was. Yeah. It yeah. was like, what? Why are you yelling at us? You'll never live that down. We still bring that up with to this day about the yeah, people in incident. front of him. Yeah, and tease him. <laughs> I mean, you can take it, so it's fine. But it was almost like a kid losing their ice cream, like it falling off their cone onto the ground <laughs> yeah. and then demanding another ice cream. And, and, uh, demanding mum's ice cream because if he yeah. can't have one, they can't. I had a, a food poisoning incident once where i had a, a kransky from one of the um <laughs> one of the harvey normans near my place uh, it ended up being an appendicitis but they thought it was food poisoning and i came back and um my goalkeeper coach at the time said uh, I, I said to him I, i've been really sick i can't really train at 100 percent." he goes but you look great so that's all that matters. I'm like, it's oh, the it's the dream. Oh, okay. Ooh. Gastro is the great, greatest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, break your jaw, get you your jaw wide shut, and break you up know. diet. Break up yeah. diet. They're like, why don't you look as good as you did then? I said, oh, I didn't eat for two weeks, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost my. Heart. I hated myself, but sure. <laughs> um, bubs. Something has been very, very bad. Very, very bad. Uh, look, I'm I'm not a Liverpool supporter. By no means do I. I am because I'm a winner. Oh, you are a winner, yes. But you you lost quite badly. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so the whole the whole thing is is around the VAR coming in. So they're two all um, Liverpool. They score a third to make it three two. Then all of a sudden they go to VAR to check um, the goal and nobody's even um, contemplating it. 
or, or thinking that anything's going to be wrong. And they have pulled it back and said, no goal, no shit. It's a stitch in a shirt. That is how much it is offside. And in like the law books, it should be when you're level, equal and level with your defender, it's in the advantage of the striker. So it should, it should be play on, it should be a goal. But because when they look back at it, the seam of his shirt or part of his body that he can't even score with is obviously offside because he's leaning in that direction. Because obviously defenders lean um, towards, away from their goal and the striker leans towards the goal. Um, yeah, obviously called offside and enough is enough. It's, it's, it's gone past the point. Of helping. We could have let it go on. It's not helping anymore what's, and it's actually causing quite quite a lot of frustration. Yeah, what's um difficult about this? I mean, if you, it is a blanket, this is the letter of the law, right? And but it is because you check it. Cut, yeah, and but it's not like tennis where it can be the same thing. It can be one millimeter of the ball is out, right? But the difference with that is that it's instantaneous. It's not a judgment. It's um a one moment kind of thing as opposed to an actual game situation like it is in a sport where um, common sense sometimes have to, has to prevail rather than in or yeah. out as black and white as it is in tennis. That's what um, it is. It's common sense. Yes, exactly. Where is that actually impacting the game? No. Okay. Well then you can kind of play on just like advantage rule gets played on in all sports as well. That comes down to the, um, the umpire's interpretation of what's going on. Um, it's not as black and white as it is in something like tennis where the, um, the, the those kind of technology works really, really well. I think if there was an initial indication that he was offside and there was reason enough to check it, then maybe it's fair enough that they had the call. If they um, just referred it and just kind of said, oh, I just want to make sure... I don't know exactly what you're looking for. I think that that's not on. I think that, you know, there's no point in going back and checking every single goal for the most minute thing that might have actually occurred. But if there's an inkling that there has been an offside or there has been, I don't know, a nick when it comes to cricket, for example, um, I've got no issues with it. I can see how sometimes it can ruin the game with the length of time that it might take to get a decision. But... I just feel as though you can't really, you know, it is, it is fairly black and white about what is offside and what isn't offside. And, you know, at the end of the day, the umpire has to live with that decision. The VAR umpire has to live with that decision. And you can imagine, you know, there's going to be one group going that is clear offside and one group saying, no way, um, we hate VAR. You know, it's, even, it's a bit of a lose-lose situation for him, to be honest. Even, even when I looked at the... Even when I looked at it, I just thought, I can't even see the offside. Like, mm. I can't... And then you kind of see a little bit of his red shirt mm. um, being highlighted on the line and you're like, no, that's impossible. You have to have a certain body part that's actually going to be scoring. But then in the same breath, Van Dyke gets tackled by uh, the goalkeeper, Pickford, in in the opening probably five minutes of or, or whatever it was. Now, Pickford is challenging him quite late and up around his knee area, and it's quite a ferocious tackle. 
it, on second th look, it looks disgusting. Um, and obviously, he's done a lot of damage. He had to come off with the tackle. So when they VAR'd that one, they looked at him, Van Dyke, being offside first rather than the terrible tackle of Pickford on Van Dyke. Now, when you look at it, I would rather them say, okay, red card, like more so than, um, yeah, you know, than the offside, value. which has more value. It has more carry. It has more justification. But you can get a red card outside of the field of play as well. And like, you, you know, can. when, yeah. So like, I still feel as though the incident happened on the field during the time um, it still happened. So therefore, yes, he was offside, but there still should be a red card issued. Yeah, and but they're saying no because Van Dyke was offside. He wouldn't have been making that tackle if he hadn't been offside and not been in that position. And you you kind of think, well, he would have just been a step back. <laughs> I got sent off one time. I remember this junior world um, junior world cut or like Aussie sort of stuff. Sorry, Olympics junior Olympics. I slid to try and make a tackle, didn't make the tackle, but I got a yellow card because it would have been a bad tackle if I had made the tackle. Yeah. That was the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. I'm like, but I didn't make it. And they're like, yes, but it would have been if you made contact. <laughs> Just, like, got, you can't predict the future. <laughs> I got a yellow card once because I got a free hit against me and I went to take out my mouth guard and pulled it down and she gave me a yellow card. She said, it looked like you were going to give me the finger. <laughs> we called her Big Red. I'll never forget her name was Megan. We called her Big Red because she had this very, very long hair, red hair. Yeah, good time. She's predicting the future. <laughs> um, but I think the VAR, and I think it's probably right now though, Bubs, it's because the VAR has not worked in soccer for so long. There are so many occasions where it's defined a game and it's been the talking point of the game and have won and lost games for certain teams. And that's probably why. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, enough is enough. Like, right? I just think you want you want consistencies, change the rules. Change the rules for the better and just have it a blanket, uh, you know, the offside, the dangerous tackles, all those sorts of things, horrible tackles in, on the weekend all over the shop. But this one especially because, you know, they had an opportunity to first of all, make a point of it, and then second of all, you know, start making a bit of common sense here. I do have a um, list, you know, I love a list, of thing, top five things that work better than the VAR. Number. Are you guys interested <laughs> yeah. in it? Sure. Oh, let's yeah. see right. if we can add. Number five, coming in at number five, the AFL arc. <laughs> well, it works better. Yeah. Yeah, Just I'll give it that. Dust. I like the little, like, Nico, Snicko kind of bit to yes. it as well. Yes. That's been good. I love that they use um, Motorola razors as the phone, as the um, camera choice on the goalpost. That's great. Yes. That's and also, wish, can you still purchase them? <laughs> sure, probably. Uh, at number four, the US political system. Do <laughs> <laughs> you say that uh, works better? <laughs> Number three, Victoria's hotel quarantine policy. Right. Um, number two, NBN in Australia. Oh, getting better. Yeah. Still horrific. Um, and number one, McDonald's soft serve machines, especially at 1am. Oh, uh, Coca-Cola. 
like <laughs> chicken on a hot day. <laughs> the chicken rotisserie at Chicken Treat in Narragin used to be pretty suspect as well. <laughs> so they're my top five things that work better. And what's meant to be funny about that, guys, is none of them work. So <laughs> yes, I'm seeing, I'm seeing it. it. I'm seeing yeah. a correlation. As soon as you said the American um, justice system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The American system. I was like, mm, I'm, I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> anyway, that's my list. So, look, we'll see how it goes. There's a lot to fix there, I think. And we'll see how it goes. It's body, body, body. Body, body. I'm a potato. We're all potatoes. It's the Spart Awards, our favourite section, because it means it's nearly over, guys. So, Spuds, where we rank everything during the week from the dreaded boiled potato all the way up to the lovely fries with some... Oh, I like fries with mayo and, and tomato sauce mixed together. That's what I like with my... That's my chippy, my chip dip. What's your chip dip, <laughs> chip dip. choice? Uh, I like aioli. Oh, My yes. favourite is um, Nando's. Mm, oh, peri peri. Peri peri. Peri nice. Um, all right. Who wants to go first? Ash, you've got a good one. Yep. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I do. I feel as though that um, this is uh, quite a nice moment and I'm going to play the audio from it, but it's Lockie Neal in his acceptance speech at the Brownlow Medal. So I'm going to play it and then we can... Um, Discuss. Okay, hang on. I want to thank my wife, Jules, obviously. Um, She's an amazing human being. Um, Not many people probably know, but she um, owned a salon in Perth before we uh, decided to move to Brisbane. (laughs) And um, she had to sell that to to come over here and follow my dreams. And um, she was doing very well for herself over there, but um, she always puts me ahead of herself when, when she shouldn't have to. And um, she's the most selfless person I know and my biggest support. So um, thank you very much, Jules. Um, I love you. So that is Lockie Neal speaking about his wife, Jules. And I just really enjoyed it because quite a while ago, we had a discussion about the negative connotations with WAGs and how um, some people don't mind being called a wag, other people feel as though that there's not the recognition of what that person actually does on top of being married to a football star. Lockie Neal has made comment and thanked his wife for the sacrifices that she's made. He has acknowledged her as to the role that she actually has aside from just being, you know, um, his wife. And it was just a really touching moment that kind of just showed, you know, how humble he is and also the importance that some of these, you know, women and wives actually have on um, footballers and their ability to achieve. And I think that's rolled on from a story earlier in the week of Adam Trelaw, where there's um, a new stories clearly about his contract, his um, partner, Kim Ravillon, 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 I can never say her name, Kim, Kimmy Rav, um, she's a Queensland girl. She came down, she used to play for Collingwood for the Collingwood Magpies netball team. Um, she gave birth to their daughter, Georgie, great name, earlier this year. She's come back, super fit girl, come back, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, world champion. She's got a new contract in um, the Firebirds up in Queensland, back home. And then all it was, all the news articles were about, 
oh, is Adam Trelaw going to go? Is Adam Trelaw going to go up to the Gold Coast? And then he was interviewed saying, where are you going to go? And he said, well, I'm really disappointed that the story is about me and not about my wife and her giving birth to our daughter and coming back to playing elite level sport. That should be the story. It shouldn't be about me. Um, and that's what's so beautiful when they're talking about these other people's career and also good on him for not feeling as though you have to give up your career, Kim, because I need to stay in mm. Melbourne. Mm, um, yeah. So it's nice to see these guys and people yeah. follow suit when they see AFL players be good humans and good partners and respect women's sports. And it starts to become cool to support women's sports when players like that do it, I think. So I, I just think, think it, really change, it changes the wording um, and the sentiment around the importance of women's sport and women being athletes and I guess being on the same level as male athletes when mm-hmm their career is recognised as being just as important as yeah. their their partner. And we're not there yet. And I think that the the, the questioning around Adam Trelaw and it not being a story about, you know, what he said it should be is just showing that we're not there yet. Absolutely. But you have people like him, I guess, drawing attention it to it, calling it out, you know, that's sort of the start of building that sort of momentum into, um, I guess, having that equality in sport. Well, exactly. It's powerful. Hmm. It, absolutely it is and you think of like Adam Trelaw would be making 10 times the money that she would be making in netball but instead of saying don't bother he's saying yes because what you do is important to you it's hmm. not about this money and that's one of the arguments that really kills me with people oh well you don't make any money they don't make any money why would she bother well it's not necessarily about making money it's about it's not about the money not about the money at all otherwise none of us would have ever done it no We've exactly our sports making no money um, and the money sometimes can kind of um, fog what you're doing it for, I think. So yeah. it's kind of nice for them to see that. So um, good little chippies. Well done. What about you, Bubs? What do you have? I was thinking uh, I've got a, sh- a short um, fries to, to start off with um, in line from, from our VAR talk. Um, on Twitter, Specsavers UK uh, got on uh, the socials and they tagged Premier League, the EPL. Have you got five minutes for a quick chat? <laughs> I thought that was very hilarious from Specsavers. <laughs> very um, good. Uh, so they get my fries. But then um, I'm going to give a boiled potato to um, Aguero from Man City who grabs... The referee, the lineswoman, um, during the Man City match. Oh, did not like this at all. I I have never seen such, oh, like, I know people would always say, oh, you, you, you'd get that if you did that to a male referee. The way he does it is not how you would at all touch a male referee ever in your life. It's absolutely. Um, you shouldn't touch a referee ever. You shouldn't. Danny Vukovic actually touched the referee, got two years ban when you do that in Australia. So if if he doesn't get thrown to the wolves for this, then uh, I'll be interested to see um, what, what they what the sort of punishment they come up with. Describe how he put his arm around her. So he's obviously discussing something. Um, you know, she's made a decision and he's walking beside her and he talks to her and he says something to her. And then they're both walking in the same direction. She's stuck on the line because she has to be, she's the lineswoman, And he puts his arm over his, over her shoulder onto her left-hand side. He's on her right. And he puts her arm around it, but also grabs the neck 
And so it's not, it's a, it's a forefinger and a thumb grab on the neck behind, um, behind the shoulder. So it's actually quite aggressive. It's not like one of those half taps or, you know, you know, encouragement or it's an accidental, I was just talking. First of all, COVID, don't touch me. Um, second of all, uh, yeah, just an aggressive, I would say male dominance sort of, um, you know, caper. So, yeah, very, I don't think anyone could, could watch that and go, oh, yeah, that's fine. No, definitely yeah. not. He's trying, yeah, no, I, you don't touch umpires. That's rule number one, whether it's the gender's there or not, right? Yeah, you don't. You, you shouldn't. That's what like you learn as a kid. You don't touch yeah. umpires. You don't touch umpires. You don't touch cops. You don't touch anybody i'm seeing some initial reports here actually saying that he's um avoided any um yeah. sanction so maybe it has been i'm going to say dealt with but not really dealt, dealt with. with well i kind of get the the feeling that she was um you know okay with it to start with and then thought oh maybe maybe not no, silly. No, boiled potatoes for you. Um, I have finally, before we end, I've got some fries and it's to a Port family. Um, of course, Port Adelaide lost to Richmond um, in a very, very close, very, very good match um, at Adelaide Oval. Um, and a little Port supporter was there. Um, the Port fans were quite disgruntled. Um, and a player, a fan actually threw a drink over it to Tom Lynch, who's not very well liked at the moment by a lot of people for his on-field, um, a few on-field behavioural indiscretions. And a, somebody threw a drink and he was getting really upset. And so his dad pulled him aside and said, this, you know, just, just have a listen to this audio because it's beautiful um, how this, what this dad said, it's kind of the, the true importance of, of sport. Once we get this oh. off the ground, we're going to be taking The Port Adelaide supporters were bullying him and making fun like of him because he was he kicked a goal and um that we felt bad for him and we wanted to congratulate him. One of the Port supporters had thrown his uh, drink all over Lynch. Archer was getting a bit worried because things were getting a bit violent and escalating. So basically, I, I I took him up the back and away from it and sort of said to him that that's not how you lose. That's uh, that that's poor sportsmanship to carry on like that when your team's lost. Archer had felt bad for that and uh, understood that, um, that that's not how you lose a game of football and that's not how you treat the footballers. So uh, he asked if he could get down there and congratulate Tom Lynch on uh, making the grand final. Oh, that is so good. So he's taken him down there to say well done to Tom Lynch. He was crying. This kid was crying on the sideline went up to Tom Lynch. So some fries to Tom Lynch as well for taking your time to go and say, thanks, mate, it's all okay, I'm okay for the way these guys were treating him and some big fat boiled potatoes for the people who were throwing drinks over Tom Lynch. Like how fucking feral can you be? Um, but to hear a dad say, that's not how we lose. You lose poor losers, poor winners. You don't want to be either of those. You take it in your, in your stride. And there's a big difference between having fun with friends and um, getting violent and angry after a game. It's in the end, it's all a game. And we do it for the stories like Mike and Wenda. We don't do it for um, those kind of things. So good parenting there um, and well done to Tom Lynch. It's kind of a cute little way 
um, to finish a game.